You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Today, we're going to be talking, kind of continuing what Daryl talked about last week. He asked the question, is the church important today? Um, Spoiler alert. Yes, it is. Um, Today, we're going to be addressing something similar, a similar question. That question is, is Jesus important? Spoiler alert. Yes, (laughs) he is. Um, But you know, like I can stand up here and I can throw my opinion on that out. But at the end of the day, you're going to be like, well, you're a pastor. Like, isn't that kind of biased? And yeah, it it is, right? And so I thought I would do something a little different. I I do what most of us do when we're looking for answers on just random uh, factual or statistical data. I jumped on Google and I said, hey, um, who are the most important people ever? And up popped what do you think it was? I'm curious. What, it's a list of the most influential people ever. Does anybody know the website? Just right off the top of your head. Time. Time Magazine. Time Magazine is like known for that, right? They've got this list of the most influential people ever. And if you know anything about that list, Jesus Christ is the number one person on that list. So, cool. We're done. All right. Yeah, he's important. Um, <laughs> but I mean... It makes sense, right? Like, not just from a Christian worldview, but like a secular worldview, like Time Magazine. Even they can look at Jesus and say, this man changed the face of history. Human history pivoted on this man. Yes, please. Thank you, Chris. Um, He's bringing me water. He's a nice guy. Um, So basically, what I'm saying is, When we look at Jesus, we see that through his ministry, it changed everything. When we listen to thinkers like Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he talks about the Bible and he says, the Bible is truer than true. The Bible is so true that it is like what we see everything else through the lens of in our culture. Basically saying the Bible shaped our culture so much that when we start to think about anything, We don't even realize it, but our thoughts have already been influenced by biblical concepts. Jesus changed the world that much. And it's really not up for debate, right? Everyone kind of gets that. They don't all think he's God, but they all agree to that much. He's definitely important. Now, I wanted to go ahead and look at the rest of that list. But a hundred's a lot of people. So I just thought, hey, I'm just going to look at like the top 10. And so I started looking at the others in the top 10 and I saw Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. That's a big one. He was, uh, he was a leader in, uh, in the French military. Huge deal. Um, you got Muhammad, the founder of Islam, right? That's, that's pretty big. We've got William Shakespeare, which is a weird one because we're not even sure that was like one person. We think that might have actually been a lot of people using a, a writer name to kind of put everything under, right? That's possible, but still. Great poet, great writer. You got Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. George Washington, the first president of the United States. Adolf Hitler, 
right? He's responsible for the Nazi regime and the murder of six million Jews through the Holocaust and World War II. See Aristotle, the philosopher, Alexander the Great, the conqueror of the known world in his very short lifespan, and Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers and the third president of the United States of America. And you look at that list, you go on even past that top 10, and it is just big name after big name after big name, whether good or bad, all influential, all definitely played a part in human history being impactful, whether it was for the good or the bad, right? But I started thinking about that top 10, and I noticed very quickly something they all have in common. They all died. Every one of them. Every one of them in the top 10. In fact, you go beyond the top 10 and you go look at the top 100, and it's like 95 to 97 of them have all died. And guess what? The other three to five, they're going to die. Because that's what people do. We die. But that's, that's what kind of makes one on that list stand out from among the rest. You see, Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. In fact, he rose from the grave. He died and rose from the grave after predicting that he would die and raise from the grave. That's kind of a big deal. I would say that anybody that can look at you and go, hey, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to raise myself from the grave, and then they do it, that is someone worth listening to. That's someone who knows something. That's someone who gets it, right? So if that's trustworthy, what else did this guy say? Because we should probably be listening. So let's go back. Let's think. What else did he say? Well, he said he's God. He never just came right out and directly said it, but he said it in a lot of very special ways. He's God. He made it known to us that humanity had fallen away from God, that we used to be with God, that we were made good, but that we turned away from God. And in doing so, we tried to make ourselves God. We cut that relationship. We cut that connection. We were, we were made honorable in God's eyes. We were made Good. We were made powerful because we were sons of the most high God, right? And then what do we do? We turn away. We turn away and then we get guilt and we get powerlessness and we get dishonor and brokenness and we get death because now we have committed a capital crime against the one true God and we have to pay that. But God, Jesus Christ, steps in on our behalf. And he dies for us. He becomes sin on our part. He takes all that dishonor and that shame and that guilt and that powerlessness and he puts it on himself and he takes it to the cross and he dies just like he said he would and he raises from the dead three days later. And that's a man worth listening to. So the question is, if he did all that, if he said all that, if that's all true, that's huge. What else did he say? Well, I want to focus on some other things he said, right? But if we literally took like a whole Sunday to just talk about everything Jesus said, we couldn't do it. Like it would take Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We kind of did that once already. We had our Words of Jesus uh, series and it took forever, right? I said once already. It's That's every Sunday. But still, um, point being, you couldn't cover it all in this short time I've got. So I want to focus on two little tidbits of what he said, because I think we get a really good idea for who he is and who we are. 
Okay? First, I want to I want to focus on Matthew 28, 16 through 20. You guys have maybe heard me quote this one once or twice. And that's that's for a reason. We'll get into that. It says this. It says, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. The Greek actually says, and they doubted, right? Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why do we talk about this so often? Because it's our job. This is Jesus giving his people their job. He's commissioning them. A commissioning is like, hey, this is you. We see that you are going to need to do this. God is looking at us saying, I trust you with this. Go forth, do it. It's a big deal. It's what our purpose is in the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God, right? Think about it like this. The reason we talk about this so often is when you go to work, I bet you have meetings. I bet you have staff meetings with your employer, with your employees, with your coworkers, right? And you guys talk about what needs to get done and what you need to do. And I bet you do that regularly. Well, that's what we're doing here. Every Sunday we come here and we have to remind ourselves that we have a job to do out in this world. And I think that's why this is such an awesome passage to keep coming back to because it lays it out so clearly what we are supposed to do. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're to make disciples. That means that we are disciple makers, right? That's your job title now. You're a disciple maker. We've talked about that a little bit. But what's a disciple? A disciple is a student. It's someone who learns. So we're going and we're making students of Jesus Christ. We learn about Jesus and then we turn around and we pour that into the people that we encounter, right? What's the second thing? We're baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're giving glory, we're giving worship to the three persons that God has revealed himself to us as, right? And when we baptize people, that's a public declaration of their belief in Jesus Christ that they now see that they, just like Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead, they have died to their sins and they will be raised to new life with Christ, not just in eternity, but in this life as well. That's baptism. And we're to do the baptizing, all of us, right? And the third one is teach and obey all Jesus has commanded us. Well, what Jesus command us? Well, he said, love God, love your neighbors. That's, a, that's the big ones, right? And then what else did he say? Well, he just said it. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've taught you, right? So it's the cyclical thing. It's over and over and over again. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, okay, cool, we've talked about this so many times, Zach, but like, why is that so important? Why that? Well, I'm going to let Jesus say it. He generally says it better than I do. John 14, 1 through 6. says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you will be with me always where I am and you know the way to where I am going. And then I love this part. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Okay. This sermon is about, is Jesus important? Right? We already said Time Magazine said it, so it must be good, right? Yeah, he's super important. He's great. Awesome. Time Magazine. Like, yeah, sure. Okay, here's the deal, though. Jesus just raised the bar, Okay. Jesus just raised the bar to, is he the most important person ever? No. Jesus says, I am essential. Jesus says, there is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, and it's him. He's it. There is one way to the Father, who is the source of life. If you're not connected to him, what do you have? You have death. You have death outside from him. And Jesus is saying, if you want him, I'm it. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. We all believe that, right? Let me put that into perspective. Um, Last week, we talked a little bit about statistics. And I'm not a big statistic guy, but they do help, right? Because they're not so perfect, but they give you an idea. So that's cool. But we talked about how many Christians are currently in the United States of America? And I think we landed on like somewhere between 40 and 60%. I think the number fluctuates a little bit depending on where you look. But here's my deal. I don't want to even focus on that because Jesus isn't the God of the United States of America. Jesus is God. Jesus is the God of all nations, which is why he tells us to go make disciples of all nations. And so the question is, how many Christians are there in the world? Here's what the statistics say. They say 31% of the world are Christians. Here's the deal. I'd say that number's high. And the reason why I guess that number's high is because there's a lot of people out there that I've met in my life that say they're Christians that really don't know the slightest thing about Jesus, or they're in cults, or they've got heretical views about who Jesus is, and they go way off the deep end. That stuff happens. So I'm going to say that number's probably lower than 31%. Okay? But for the sake of this situation, let's say it's 30%. Here's what that means. That means if we hit shuffle on the world population and we just had this even disbursement, just randomizing of all people everywhere, that means at any given time, no matter where you're at, you can walk into a room and when you see 10 people, you can go one, two, three, saved. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, hell. Does that, has that like sunk in for you? Like, that's insane. That's insane that seven out of every 10 people in the world today, if they die right now, are going to live an eternity without Christ. That's hell. That's hell. That's death. That's destruction. That's damnation. That's bad. Do we believe that? That's my question. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that seven out of every 10 people alive right now, if they died tomorrow, they are going to hell. They are never going to know Jesus Christ, the one true God. 
The reason I ask that is because like, if we start thinking about these claims Jesus is making, like, hey, this is your job. Your job is to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've told you. That's your job. That's what you do. Here's the reason why. Because that's the only way. I'm it. Jesus is it. That's it. Go tell them about Jesus. Go tell them that he can set them free. That they can, he can make things right. That's it. If we really believe that, that would change everything about our lives. Right? You would think that if somebody believed that, let's take me for instance, like my day to day must be, right? That I like go home and I sit and for hours I'm reading like, uh, apologetics books on how I can defend the faith and I can think about how I'm going to, to make these arguments for Christianity and why it's true and why it's good and why you should believe it. You'd think that I would be studying like, what are the, what are the things people are going to push back with? What are the arguments, the counter arguments to Christianity? I should learn those and know how to dismantle those so I can show people that Christ is king and he's truth, right? I should do that. You would think that I would just be talking with people all the time, that I would just be going out and I would be finding every person I can and trying to be so specific to listen to them and to hear where they're coming from and to hear their heart so I can know how I can better reach them for Jesus. You would think that, right? You would think that every, every single conversation would just be pivotal around getting these people to know Jesus and figuring out how I can start sprinkling Jesus into every conversation. And the real truth is when I go home, uh, yeah, I, I do some of that. I do. I, I read some uh, apologetics books and I, I try to learn how to defend my faith. And I, I try to learn more about Jesus. I try to pour over the Bible and, and memorize scripture. And I also sit and will uh, just doom scroll on YouTube on cat videos for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. What? Or like I go out to start evangelizing and to start talking to people and like I'm, I'm listening, I'm, I'm intent and I went in with the right purposes in mind. I, I want to bring these people to Jesus. And about halfway through, I started thinking, what if they get mad at me? What if they hate me? What if, what if they reject this outright? What if, um, what if I screw up? What if I misrepresent the gospel? And I start thinking about how uncomfortable the situation is going to be. And I start backpedaling. And, and, and as many times as I do share the gospel with people, which I've gotten a lot better at and I'm really proud of, there's so many times I don't. And the question is, why? Do I not believe it? Do I not believe it enough? I, I was thinking about this and I was reminded of Randy's sermon a few weeks ago where he told a story about a man who had a, a son. The story in the Bible, the man's son had seizures. And this man goes and he finds Jesus. And this guy has got like no hope left because this kid is having these seizures to the point that the seizures are driving this kid into water or fire these life-threatening situations. And the man comes to Jesus, and I don't know why he says it like this, but he does. He says it just like this. He says, Lord, if you're able, will you please have compassion on my son? 
And I don't know if it's that he just thought Jesus like wouldn't have time or Jesus might not want to. He's just got bigger fish to fry. But that's how he says it. And Jesus turns to him and he says, if you are able to believe, all things are possible. And then the man looks at Jesus crying and he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can have both at the same time. And I think that's us. Because like so often, I wake up in the morning and I, be- I believe, y'all, I believe Jesus Christ is God. I believe that he did everything he said he did and he will do everything he says he will do. I believe he's the one true way. I believe that seven out of ten people, if they died right now, are going to hell and they will live in eternity separated from Jesus Christ. And I do not want that. And I want to go out and I want to evangelize and I want to spend my time learning about Jesus so I can be better. And at the same time that part of me exists, there is an old dead man in me that wants me to fail. And he wants to drag me down and he wants me to sin and he wants me to pursue comfort. He doesn't want me to pursue Jesus. He wants me to look at me and he wants me to do what's best for me. And the reason I bring that up is because we are talking about the most essential human being that has ever lived in the history of time, Jesus Christ. And his voice should be louder than that puny, stupid voice in the back of your head that drags you down just like it drags me down from time to time. And so what I want to remind you today is this. In the face of that voice, in the face of that person in you that wants you to fail, in that old you, that old you that hates you, that old you that hates Jesus. You have to drown that out. And the way you drown that out is by praying to God and saying, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. I need you to take it away from me because it's just going to kill me. We have a job to do and we will never, ever do it if we keep letting that stupid little voice win. Let your prayer be, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And remember that Jesus Christ is essential. And if we don't spread him to the entire world, if we don't, if we don't start looking at the people around us as people that need to hear about Jesus, it's not going to happen. We are the means through which he's chosen to do this. That's why he gave us the job. So we got to do it. We can do it. We've got Jesus. He's with us till the end of the age. He's conquered death. He has overcome this world. Nothing stands in your way. You are equipped right now with the Holy Spirit. That is God living inside of you, working in you. Let that be the big voice. Let that be the driving force. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, I hear people talk about talk about that passage. Um, you know, Jesus is the only way. And I hear people argue, like, why would God just make one way? God, you didn't have to make any way. We were we were in sin. We were your enemies, and you loved us, and you loved us enough to make a way out because you wanted to piece your family back together, Lord. I thank you for this. 
I pray a blessing on every single person in this room, Lord. I pray that you would just lay your Holy Spirit on each one of us. And when that voice, that little voice in the back of our head tries to drag us down and away from you and away from our job and away from saving people through your message, Lord, I pray that we would just ask you to help our unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.